0: Gone to the Dogs, your fortnightly dose of greyhound racing interviews, insights and a whole lot more with your hosts, Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Welcome to episode two of Gone to the Dogs. We have got a cracking show in store. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Joe Andrews.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Joe and I have had a fantastic week with the puppies at Monks Path Kennels. Our thanks to David Titterton, who is our feature interview today. And of course, we have Ryan Keneally at the end of the show as well, talking all of the betting angles for the big races over the weekend. But firstly, I, Joe, I want to ask you a question. Go on then. How was your debut on Racing Post Greyhound TV?
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was good, actually. I really enjoyed it. It was uh, a good night. I'm not sure anyone was actually watching, but... Um... It was good, and they wanted me back straight away. They booked me on for the 13th of February, so I will be returning. And, I, yeah, I had a, I had a good night. Tipped up a few winners, which is very rare. That won't be happening again. Um, and I do believe, Danny, that when next time I'm on on the 13th of February, you might be on as well.
0: I might be. I might swap, but, no, I'm joking. <laughs> of course I'll be there. Yeah, I am on there. Um, it's going to be great. I think it's going to be fab. And I watched, I watched the top of the show and your nap one, and that was it i thought well yeah. probably not gonna m- get many more winners now so i'll switch off
1: <laughs> no i think I like six out of 12 winners at donny so wow yeah not bad and i had spent hours studying the oxford card only for it to be called off at about 3 p.m so that was slightly frustrating and obviously oxford is the track that i know the best in britain probably because um, that's where <laughs> a lot of my dogs run so um, yeah, never mind. But it was great. Uh, it was good. It was a pleasure to be invited on. I, I managed to play darts at the end of the show. I don't know if you saw that, but they had me um, with the dartboard behind me trying to win an RPG TV mark. Um if I hit over 101, which sadly I did not. Uh, all fun and games.
0: That is class. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't hit one, never mind 101.
1: <laughs> it started off well. I, I got a 45 from my a solid 45 from my first three, but then uh, the, the, the second three, I think I hit 17. So pathetic,
0: okay. pathetic. Yeah. yeah, so you're not going to be... Uh pursuing a career in darts that's what we know for sure Uh, right joe we need to talk about news we've only got a couple of things that we need to talk about and the main one for me anyway um when it comes to news uh, pertaining to the big big race of the year is pat buckley is not bringing his runners over
1: no. Um, he's making a stand with, with some of the issues with the traps and the hair and whatnot at Toaster. He said he's not bringing a team over, which is which is a real shame. I mean, he's, he's obviously won the derby before. He always brings over lots of very good greyhounds mm. um, that we want to talk about and that we want to see in action over here. Um, so so it, so it's a shame I mean I haven't heard the latest about the traps being changed at toaster I don't know if you have but the the work that they seem to have done with the hair and the, and the track and and stuff uh seems to have worked I, I haven't seen any issues with that lately you know all the trainers praise the, the actual racing surface um but but Pat's not not happy and obviously hasn't been given the reassurance he, he needs and let's hope that the other trainers, over in Ireland don't follow suit and we see some of those amazing dogs coming over here for the Derby, um, you know, later on in the year.
0: Fingers crossed, yeah. And I mean, will it be nailed on now that Pat Buckley's dog will win the Irish Derby?
1: Probably. Very,
0: very fresh, (laughs) won't they? They'll be very, very fresh. So, yeah. Well, I think,
1: that's the thing. They've changed the Derby times this year as well, haven't they? Yeah. I think they've pushed it back a week and it's going to be very difficult this year for dogs to, to you know, especially that go far in the English Derby to then run in the Irish Derby. It's going to be a very hard campaign. So maybe that's um, been in his thought process as well. But uh, but who knows?
0: And the second news story, of course, is we've had our first Category 1 winner of the year. Not the bitch we thought it would be, but Mohican Tara. What a run to hold off Space Jet!
1: Brilliant! Congratulations to trainer and owner Sean McDonald with Mahika Tara. She was very brave. She got out in front um, and Space Jet. In defeat, I mean, incredible run, really. The the, the back straight for the second time. The, the pace she showed down there, and it was, was amazing. And then you thought she can't can she? And I mean, another stride, and, and I think she would have won. But mm-hmm. take nothing away from Mahikantara because that was uh, an a brilliant performance and um, first Cat One winner of the year is named and crowned.
0: Indeed, and the good thing is as well, she's younger, isn't she, she Mahikantara than Space Jet? So maybe we've got the new kid on the block that has really stamped her authority in the first competition of the year. Let's see what she can do. I'm I'm very excited. I think she's going to be great, especially if she can go from the front and hold off such a stay in space jet. I think she's going to go far.
1: An exciting one for 2023, for sure, in the marathon trips. And then, you know, I don't know if he'll drop her back in trip um, to six bends. You'd just you assume so, because there's not that many opportunities over mm. eight bends throughout the year. So we'll, we'll see. But um, fantastic performance from Tara
0: Very, very exciting going forwards. Now, that's it for the news roundup, but we have got a fabulous interview with David Titterton coming up on the show. Of course, we've got Ryan Keneally talking betting at the end, but make sure you stay tuned because David Titterton, I mean, this interview is phenomenal. Dave can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you actually got into our wonderful sport of greyhound racing? Uh,
2: primarily um, I went through the uh, football system from uh, YTS as it was in those days and then uh, was good enough to be offered a pro footballer so started life off as a professional footballer, uh, went on for some years playing for Coventry and Hereford and Wickham and having some success in um, England under 18 international as well uh, thoroughly enjoyed it and then unfortunately I had a couple of serious injuries that um, curtailed me for about 12-18 months and I had to make the rough decision of of quitting full-time football after a couple of uh, specialist um, decisions on me and then um, go to work for a living from then on in <laughs> unfortunately, um, always had a passion, I grew up on a farm uh, yeah so... Uh, We had a family farm uh, based in Hatton in Warwickshire. So I grew up with animals, horses, um, as it was then, hounds and beagles. So my first uh, joys were, you know, learning how to whelp down a a beagle or a hound for the, you know, the hounds themselves for the hunt. And that was my task when I was a kid, to look after them and walk them and train them. Um, Then progressed and my granddad then had horses and pointer pointers and racers. Uh, So I think the first thing, you know, it's always been animals, it's always been dogs, it's always been horses. Um, And it's just progressed from there. And when I had to finish football and, you know, start looking around for what I wanted to do, um, you know, that's always been in my blood. So it's something I've just carried on from there.
1: Right. And what about greyhounds in particular, Dave? Um, how How did you start working with them?
2: Greyhounds were from around about eight or nine years of age. Uh, There was a friend of my dad's, uh, John Wilson, who had um, eight or nine greyhounds uh, up in a place called Norton Lindsay. Um, So my uh, my dad was best friends with him, so I used to go up there and learn how to, you know, I used to walk. In fact, those days I was really fit, and I used to run with them and walk them and stuff and train them, etc., and um, learn how to... Hold a greyhound properly and what to look out for, you know, not necessarily the injury side of it because that's specialist, but you know, training, walking, and getting a greyhound fit because we was all we went to on the Saturday nights was the flapping tracks.
1: Excellent. And how did um, Monks Path Kennel come about where we're stood now? Um, When I originally uh,
2: spoke with Aaron, I've been looking for probably four or five years for something to. Create what, what, what I have the vision I had in my mind, um, but there was just nowhere suitable or, or a setting that I could see that would probably fulfill where I wanted it to be and for it to become you know not just a hobby maybe in the future, a viable business. Um, and it was just by pure chance that I got put onto Aaron um, and you know where we are at Monk's path. Was completely different in regards to the setup of the paddocks and stuff, etc. Um, and I bought a couple of pups here for to be reared and bred, which are on the track now. Fly Eye Trapeze, who's A one open race, and Fly Eye Artist are the first two that we had here. And um, here we are at Path now. <laughs> so when did you when did you come here properly then? It's going on for nearly two and a half years, in the July, um, uh, where we started breaking the ground, started changing the paddocks around and the vision that Aaron and I had together to set up and try and create for what it was then, you know, is primarily to grow and breed British bread.
1: And, and how long did it take to see your vision come to fruition?
2: We're still tr- we're still working. <laughs>
1: um, the,
2: the first initial stage was probably about uh, 14, 15 months. Wow. Where we had to break the ground, we put everything new onto the ground that wasn't there. We changed, took everything old out, replaced it with new. So we hopefully got a 15, 20 year lifespan for all the fencing and stuff, etc. Apart from your your normal upgrades that you need during the during the, 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 the you know the, the weeks and months of having pups inside. Um, so probably about 14, 15 months it took us to you know buy it, have the diggers, have the operations, have the my, obviously, my investment to to move it forward, and we moved pretty quickly. To be honest, it, it was it was mind-boggling the space, the space that we had to work with when you actually get on the ground, but also the time that we moved to to get it done.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of people that work here now as well. You seem to have a lot of staff, a few volunteers as well, a couple of trainers. So it just seems to be building and building all the time.
2: It's a great place to be. You know, we spoke about this earlier on when we was walking round. You know, there's, I think there's probably 10 people here today actively working with the pups, you know, with the racers, uh, even though they're separate entities, you know, it's one setting, it's one, you hear the people walking around now, That you know, they're walking with the race and they're talking to the pups, you know, they're telling them to be quiet or whatever, you <laughs> know, or, or they spotted something and that and bits and pieces. So uh, it's a fantastic place to be, you know what I mean? I, I'll, I'll be uh, Be interesting to see what other settings are like, you know, you know, with this one.
0: Well, hopefully we'll get a few visits as well. We might get, we might go around the country and tour and report back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, that would be nice.
1: So, so even for here then, this was just your vision of rearing pops and the best way to do it. You didn't have any reference, you hadn't done any sort of benchmarking or homework first, you just thought, this is what I want to do and here's how I'm going to achieve
2: it. I don't think there's a right and a wrong way of rearing a pop. To be honest, it's there are certain guidelines uh, to a certain degree, but you, you've got to give them, you know, the complete and utter best setting, the environment. You've got to keep them happy. You know, when you can see you walk around today; these pups are happy, you know, when they're playing, they're, you know, messing about with yeah. one another. You've got to give them the right food morning, noon and night. You've got to know when a pup's, you know, when you when you see them on a daily basis, you know if a pup's not right. You got to get to know the little characters. But what one of the main things that I created this for is, is to give people an opportunity to have a pup mm-hmm. uh, and to have that uh, epiphany with the, the pup from, from the whelping all the way to the track. You know, you spoke yourself about you saw a pup when it was just being whelped and then you might not see it till it's 15 months, yeah. and it's uh, ready for the track.
1: Styling or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So you don't know their little characteristics of the pup. You know what I mean? Maybe the family haven't had the opportunity to come and see the pup. So we're we're open. Our families, our clients, they come here seven days a week, 24/7, to suit their lifestyle. And I wanted people to have that, you know, allegiance with their pup and get to know all the little traits. I get him involved with mixing up food cleaning the mess up yeah all the stuff that we have to do cheap labour <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah. laughs> right. could, be, could be said to us yeah
3: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: and um, just to get them totally involved um, it has progressed a lot more f- since then because what we also realise is that we have some clients have had you know some mental uh, uh, like health health issues and it's been a major plus point for them and their family. And it's just snowballed from there, really. So not only are we giving somebody with the pups, we're giving that the family, you know, that how important is family time? Yeah. You know what I mean? we People take it for granted. You know, you can't be a family. You can have all, all the money in all the world, but, you know what I mean, family time is the most important.
0: And it's great that, you know, you, you are so open to letting them come and bond with the pup, because, like you know not every train is open to that necessarily not every you know you can't always see the pups right from when they've been whelped from the mum and all the way through and following that journey I mean you had your own that you'd reared for what two and a half years you had a couple of setbacks and everybody was absolutely buzzing when he ran in the sprint with me at Mummore so you know that feeling and I feel like that's what you want to just pass around
2: Uh, you know People come down and they, they see me. They say, "Oh, I can see your passion. It's in your eyes." You know, I, I get out of that car. I know it's the same old story, but I get out of that car, and no matter what day I've had at work or something's gone on at work, because I get out of that car, and I smile. Yeah. Because I don't think about anything else. All I think about is going and give them a fuss, make sure their waters, their bedding's done. You know, their their teeth, their feet, and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's it's incredible. You know, really is that that feel good factor. And when we are open, you know, okay. and we want to be open, that's the whole point. Aaron and I have always said we're open here. This, this is manned 24/7. Right. You know, all the CCTV. You know, we've got clients' dogs here that, you know, some are, you know, very more valuable than others maybe, and you know, in regards to the cost for the stud fees and uh etc. You know, I mean, this just you can see it has to be heavily manned and guarded and stuff etc. So you know, that's security side, but you know if you're on nights you know you can't come till you know one o'clock in the afternoon our doors are open as long as we're here and come and see your bob
1: yeah and i think that's something that you know British breeding and trying to push that. It's important seeing that stage of the the Greyhound's development, isn't it? Because at the moment, you know, most of the dogs come over from Ireland as a pup. You don't see that rearing stage, do you? And you don't have that attachment from when they when they're a puppy necessarily. That's correct,
2: uh, Joe. You know, I mean that the attachment is probably the, the, you know a very crucial word. Uh, you know, you've got a pup that you know goes to Ireland, like we said, and it comes back. It's schooled. It's ready for the track, etc and the attachment here is, uh, you know, it's, it is crucial. It really is, and, and to give people that opportunity to have that attachment with the pup. You know, why why not be open to people to come and see their pups? You know, they're, they're our client, they're paying the, the money each week for their pup. Give them the opportunity to come.
0: Now, talking about the puppies and attachment, you know, they say, I, I mean, I picked up a puppy after eight weeks, at German Shepherd with my mother-in-law, but when it comes to a greyhound puppy that's gonna race, Does the mum come with them here or how does it work? Do you get them after eight weeks, ten weeks, after second jabs? what happens?
2: Yeah, yeah, great question, uh, Danny. You know, um, we can do all permutations for our clients. We can source a stud dog for them. You know, we can point them in the right direction with people we know and trust in regards to getting uh, a bitch uh, when she's ready in season for, you know, AI'd, artificially inseminated different variations. Um or we can have the bitch here if it's a natural mating and we can whelp them down here if we have room for them. Mm. Uh, and they can see the whelp, you know, we can set the cameras up for them, etc. Mm. So they can see the bitch you know actually getting down to whelp and stuff, etc. and they see the pup coming out and all those little bits and pieces. <laughs> or, or or we can have the pups here at twelve weeks old um or whenever they've been earmarked, wherever they've been whelped down, it's the client's choice, you know. Um Primarily, uh, the when the bitch comes here, she'll stay with the pups as long as possible. Mm. Some are really good mums, and some aren't, unfortunately. So you have to adhere to those situations as they arise. So we'd probably say, you know, anywhere, you know, as long as possible, as long as they're feeding the pups and then and she doesn't start, you know, turning on them, etc., because they're pulling at her all the time. Then we keep them with them as long as possible, maybe only for a short time towards the end to feed, get them the nutrients, and then back out again. And then we have pups here that have been here, you know, after their second jab's 10 weeks old. And then we start the rotation uh, uh, period that we've done. We've showed you around the, around the paddocks this morning.
1: Amazing. And,
2: and when do you know that they're ready to leave? Uh, I will say this to our clients there. Um, they're, they're ready when they're ready. You know, um, we would always like to say to a certain degree, uh, you know, 12, 13 months old. Uh, we would say is probably where we're getting to the max of where they need to be going off to kennel life, mm. etc. But obviously, that doesn't mean they're going straight to school, and that means they're starting their next journey into a kennel life.
1: Yeah,
2: started learning the manners to kennel, different ways of eating, different ways you know, of being in pairs rather than fours or fives or whatever the case may be. And then that greyhound still might need another three or four months' growth. Um, you know, we don't like we don't push any greyhounds whatsoever, we naturally let them free run you know uh we do our job we know that the, by the time the greyhound's left here the pup uh it'll be picking up we know it it'll be chasing to a certain degree with a with a lure you know 50 to 100 yards or something like that we know what it's going to be chasing uh the rest is down to the patience of the owner
1: mm.
2: and you know 99 percent of the time they get it right yeah
1: absolutely well Talk us through a uh, daily routine here, when you, Whoa, from crap. when you come in to wh- when you leave, um, how does it work?
2: Uh, daily routine is doing my, ho- my dogs at home first, <laughs> getting my retired Normally What work. time's that? We're normally, past five, yeah. uh, well, I'm out round the woods with the dogs, um, they're back in, and then normally the children are up and away for school and uh, etc I've got teenage boys uh, twin boys age 15 mm. uh, so they're a handful yeah, yeah. Um as... you come here
0: for yeah. relief <laughs> yes yes <laughs> then I shut the door
2: behind them and get out quickly um, and then uh, I'll travel over here uh, I'm about 15-20 minutes away from my home to the kennels here um, so I'll get over here normally about half seven ish and then the first port call really Alan's already soaked the biscuits uh, and pre- prepared most of the, all the biscuits and uh, all the stuff to go in for the food uh, then I'll come on here and I'll put all the meats on uh, you know whatever we're feeding them on that day Aaron's got it all out the night before so I'll start making it go in the big pots, the big vats to boil up for the first morning feed uh, whilst that's going I'll probably get the pups out and do a bit of lead training with them the ones that are getting a little bit more that they'll need a little bit more manners <laughs> and get them on the lead which is always interesting and then uh, we start now with the, with the weather we start uh, taking them out and do a bit of road work when they're starting a little bit older and they'll go they'll walk with the race dog to learn to teach them when they're walking along so they get a bit of road work as well not much to start with because they stay around the perimeters uh, and then we'll come back in and we'll do first feed around about 10 o'clock half ten uh depends on normally within that half an hour because they'll start wanting the their cereals and their <laughs> and their juice and their vegetables and stuff like that. Uh, and then really, from then on in, it's um, whilst whilst we've done their food, it's their bedding, uh, the water, and to check most of the pups really as they're eating or before they're eating, we're having a look at them, we're standing and watching them and see if there's anything that might be dipping or someone's got a little nip on it or something like that or a bad toe. So we do the general checks, make sure the water's all clean, fresh water's... And then um, we let them chill out for an hour and then and play because obviously you know. Um, and then we'll, any pups that we start, uh, we might put up the gallop and have a little free run, a bit of time, you know, just let them run, which I can show you, you know, in a, in a bit for you. Let them have a bit of a play and a bit of fun with her because uh, that's what it's all about, keep them. But I always take them out one by one, so that's normally the, the routine for that. Mm. And then we put another ten bags of uh, biscuit in ready for the afternoon feeds uh then Aaron prepares and then I put another vat of meat on for the afternoon feeds from two o'clock and then again we feed they're bedded down done and then Aaron will do the night feed uh where they have a broth just before they go to go to bed so to speak as we call it so just as it's hitting dark or maybe a little bit darker in the winter you know later sorry they'll have a broth at night uh to keep them going something warm in their bellies for the night time with all their calciums.
0: What kind of meats do you give them? Because I think we've oh. seen what heart, a bit of tripe, some fat in there good as tongue. well. We had a great time, didn't we?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I'm not sure
2: that get out too well on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty thousand views, maybe, <laughs> of, uh, for the tongue bit. But <laughs> yeah, we we, um, Aaron's very good on understanding with myself. You know what a pup needs. Uh, you know they get a, we, we feed them on the good, the best biscuit that we have, you know, the puppy and sapling biscuit, uh, which everyone knows, you know, I mean, is one of the top biscuits you can give them that we think, mm. you know, and it's one of the most expensive, but you've got to give them, we give them a lot of milk, whole milk, um, supplied by our local dairy, uh, Morley milk in uh, Clibbury-Mawson, which is fantastic. Uh, a lot of meat, it could be tripe, uh, like you say, you know, with hearts, uh, all that sort of stuff in regards, mints, meats, chickens, um, we tend to probably give them a, a lot more uh, pastas and rice and vegetables um, and some brown bread and stuff, etc. know, A little bit of bread that goes in there as well, just to mix it up. But they get a variant. Uh, we use, do use some calcium powders, because the most important thing is obviously for their bones yeah. and the structure. Uh, they, we use uh, glucose and honey oil as well, and Aaron use a calcium powder that we add to the food. Uh, with about 600 eggs a week as well. Oh wow!
3: <laughs> so they get a variant
2: diet. Uh, you could do all... a chicken pen uh, here. <laughs> <couldn't
3: you>? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. So uh, they get a varied diet. Um, you know, it it really depends. We we do tend to give them a lot more red meat towards the winter, yeah. uh, etc. But it, it's just everything what they need really. You know, what I mean, um, one of the main things what we've been have been doing the last uh, 16, 17 months, is giving them whole sardines. They have a lot of fish oil, a lot of fish, because it's omega-3.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and it's great for their coats and great for their skin. Uh, you know, it does make them shine. So, uh, we buy bulk in sardines, probably about uh, about three or 400 pounds a month in sardines, and the whole sardines. So we just boil the sardines and then we put them in a blender, because the bones, or we take the bones out of the middle bone. And uh, they get that in the dinners as well. Sounds delicious. Yeah, it is.
0: Can I have some. You can. <laughs> Should you want the tongue? <laughs> well, you saw
2: my eyes light up. I know. you yeah. no. say. <laughs> so, a glint in the eye.
1: We're <laughs> we editing that bit. Yeah. Nah. Keep it. In, keep it. In. So, Dave, are you the person who can tell a trainer or an owner whether a pup's got what it takes on the track? Oh, crikey. I
2: wish I do wish um, you know we spoke about this briefly walking round if you could see anything on the pups on and on a what stage you know um, I'd, I'd love to ask Kevin Hutton McNair all these breeders exactly what they what they look for and see what they what their glint in their eye is just the same glint we saw uh, um, Danny with the tongue <laughs> <laughs> we're we're um... It's very hard to say, you know. When I, you know, we get to the pup that you see that picks up the quickest, you know, the little sharpest to whatever we chuck in the squeakies down, little things like that that you're thinking, cracky, uh, you know, she's quick or he's quick or, or he's going to be a big dog by the size of his paws, he's going to take some little bit additional time. There is little things or characteristics that I look for, um, but you can be proved wrong with greyhounds, you know what I mean? Uh, I've got one, from, you know, one now that, that, we, um, that I had that I'd, I thought, you know, she's going to be a slow burner, and now she's turned out she's going to be one of the quickest in the litter. You know, yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought, you know, when I first saw her that she was going to be anything that special. Yeah. Uh, but she's turned out to be beautiful, just time and patience. Um, I'd like to have that golden globe that I could see more than what I could see. Um, <laughs> you try and second guess these great arms they'll make a fall out of you won't they? yeah exactly <laughs> but you also got to realize is that you know that's you know a very good question someone's asked but you got to realize that you know the pup could school as well as anything but until you get that on the track you don't know how they're going to convert what they've scored and what they've learned to the track and then they've got to learn again at the track different traps you know i've had pups that have we've schooled brilliantly and they've gone to um, a Monmoor or whatever track it may be, and they've turned in the traps first time. (laughs) Because they're that keen, you know, they're not expecting... They've got room in the traps that they're not used to having from a schooling trap, you know, so little things like that can throw you off, Mm. really, but I'd love to have that golden globe, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Mystic neg. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: Now, talking numbers, how many pups and dogs and races have you got at the moment, and how many have actually passed through?
2: Right, um, we've got around about thirty pups that are now really hitting the track. Mm. They're in the final stages of schooling and starting to hit the track. Uh, some of the first ones of the first litter are they're all over the uh, place with different trainers. Some are down at Jason Hees, uh, some are at Chris Hamblin's, uh, some are at Karen Doddington's to, to happen. Some are. Um, where else there may be that pup's whining.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> he
2: wants to be on the I, podcast. I think that's. I think that's Billy. I think he wants his breakfast.
0: Future star.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
2: we we've got them all over in regards to different trainers. Um, so there's about thirty that are are training on now and you know grading for their whatever grading time they come in at at the moment. We've got just under eighty pups in. On the ground here at, at this moment, at the setting here, and I think Aaron said this morning. You know, even though it's separate, he's got around about 90 races yeah. in, and that I think that includes all their pups as well, etc. So they're, you know, that they've got the 15, 16 month old that's ready to start being trialling on, ready to be graded on. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a fair few, you know. And there's a lot more. There's two or three litters that I'll be uh, moving on now as well. So they've just hit the 12, 13 months. We've got some beautiful litters with Gemma Davison that we've had, we reared for her. Um, they'll be schooling on now, so they'll be ready to hit the track as well. So I'd probably say by the, uh, the end of March, we we'll probably have about 50 pups out there that should be you know, graded on to a certain degree or in that process of.
1: Yeah, and, and you've just mentioned a few there, but who are the owners and, and breeders that are supporting you here?
2: Oh, we've had fantastic support, Joe. I mean, really is. You know, what I mean, I've had great um, conversations with a lot of breeders, uh, a lot of people, but we've, you know, we've got great supporters. We've got Fergal O'Brien, uh, you know, backed by um, Simon Gilson, Dr. Simon Gilson. You know, a great guy, he does all social media for. Yeah, he's got uh, a Fergal. question for
1: you later as oh, well. Oh, no, so. dear
2: me, Simon. <laughs> it's got to be technical. Uh, he's a great supporter, you know of not just me of the kennel anything that we need to do he helps us you know in regards to the mental health days and stuff and mental awareness days yeah. that we're, we're going to be doing
1: brilliant
2: that he's also doing and echo was started at and no work, so you've got so much time for everybody he's a great guy uh, they're great supporters and we've got a lot of trainers that we've had their dogs you know their litters that we've bred for them mm-hmm. a lot of good owners we've got Colin Watson um, up, up north from um, Peelow Grange we've got Um, Audi Gunner bitch here She's had the litter Uh, we got Kevin A couple of litters here Uh, Savannah Sasha the King turbos Uh, and some great you know the great we've got syndicates here we've got probably about five or six syndicates and I think I totaled it up last night I think we've got just under 70 new owners that um, to the kennel that includes all the syndicates um, you know, we've got Captain Birdseye syndicates, Fly High Lenny syndicates. You know, everywhere that they will put, you know, whatever money they put in per week or per month, you know, to have a pub here down with us, and it's great. You know, we have 40, 50 people down here at any one time, and we all go walking with the dogs, and they'll walk anybody's dogs. You know what I mean? They don't actually just walk their own. You know what I mean? It's brilliant.
1: You're all you are going to know. need a bigger car park here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> You're lucky; we've only just had that one built. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and, we,
2: and we have, and we have owners down here that supported us. Well, you know, if they're taking a pup out, you know, as long as it, I own it or the other owners okayed it, they'll take another one out for a walk. You know, it might be just to the to the pub and have a couple of bites and walk back, and back in the scratchings, But you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's just the way it is. It's brilliant. We have a great crack. Um, I've got. Clients coming down on Saturday afternoon, all the way from Preston. They've got four or five pups, so they're staying overnight down here. So they're making a whole weekend of it. Oh, wow. Brilliant. You know, so we'll take them out at night as well, Saturday night, and at the local pub and
1: have a meal with them and look after them. Did you get a discount at the pub? No, me,
2: they don't even know my name. They call me the Greyhound Man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's no, brilliant. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you are supporting the local, local economy. Yeah, you know, with, we are, are reinvesting. Talking, yeah, because you talk about the pub, and then you've got the butcher, and then That's, you've got the dairy farm. I've got to
2: mention the butcher. Yeah.
0: I mean, we've just had some sandwiches, don't we? And they are yeah. absolutely next level. Ten so, out of ten. Yeah, yeah. Fabulous.
2: Yeah, Beeman's Beam, Beam Butchers. Yeah, fantastic. It's where we get all our meat from, and the sandwiches, more importantly, <laughs> and a cappuccino <laughs> before I get here. Yeah. <laughs> Extra double shot.
0: Oh, yeah. That sounds right on my street.
3: Yeah. Home Run Hounds is a new charity set up homing centre. We've been operational for a couple of months now and we aim to find loving homes for retired racing greyhounds. I've been in greyhound racing for 30 years now as a kennel hand and an owner, six years in the homing industry through Greyhound Trust through their Dudley branch. Obviously, totally in love with the breed and firmly believe that once their racing career is over, they deserve a happy ever after in front of a warm fire on a nice comfy sofa, and boy, do they ever know they're home. Um, we retire between two and four years of age. This means that two thirds of the Greyhound's life is spent on a sofa, so it's essential that we find the absolute best home for them. And we home with families of children, occasionally with cats, and other pets. And we do home checks, um, repetitive introductions where people come into kennels with their pets and usually it's a case of the greyhound chooses the family (laughs) obviously we like the family to choose the greyhound as well but our primary objective is to ensure that everyone within the family unit is happy so up and down the country there is an absolute army of volunteers who give thousands and thousands of hours for free into finding the right homes for the dogs into caring for the dogs whilst they're in kennels putting their efforts into fundraising and awareness raising doing home checks, everything to ensure that the greyhounds find their perfect happy ever after. So we've got Kyle, who's a beautiful brindle, race named Tully Kyle, two years old. Uh, When he's in the kennels he's part greyhound, part kangaroo. He gets a little bit excited as you approach him, but that's just because he's saying me, 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 pick me. Once we get him out onto the field and he's on the lead, he's calm, he's lovely. If you're looking for a greyhound as a pet, Approach one of the independent homers or a Greyhound Trust branch locally to yourself. Or you can, of course, home direct from the trainers' yards. Their phone numbers are always in the programme. In the UK, Greyhound Trust has got in excess of 30 branches all finding homes and there's about the same number of independent homing charities as well. What's made our lives a lot easier is the introduction of the Greyhound Retirement Scheme, which is funded by the Greyhound Board of Great Britain. This means that an amount of money goes with the Greyhound into the homing centre which helps to cover things like feed, vet bills, neutering etc which takes some of the pressure off the fundraising of the volunteers and also allows us to concentrate on the most important thing which is the awareness raising. Yeah, Volunteers spend a lot of time at local events, community events um, just introducing Greyhounds to the public. So you can contact us, the telephone number is 07488 253 Our website is www.homerunhounds.co.uk and we have our Facebook, Home Run Hounds, and our Twitter account, at Homerunhounds.
0: Now, talking, obviously, before, that you have um, twin boys and dogs at home, how many dogs do you have? Because in my mind, you've got so many here that I'd kind of want to go, oh, mayhem
3: over <laughs> <for> the day. <laughs> uh,
2: personally, um, I probably own about 20 pups in, in general. Uh, that's what I own outright, mm. and I have shares in other pups. Right. Uh, you know, here, nowhere else, Um and obviously, I have I have some races. I've probably about six or seven races at the moment. That's all. But at one stage, I was up to about thirty or forty races that I personally owned. Uh, but now I cut that back because obviously the time, really my investment here of uh, my time really is more with the pups rather than unfortunately being at the racetrack because I just don't get the, the chance to be at the track and. You know, if I do, it'll be a Saturday night. You know, when we have a table and go as a family and have something to eat, and hopefully watch one of our dogs. But if not, you know, my time is spent here.
0: Mm. Are the boys interested in getting involved in the the rear inside?
2: Yeah, they they both. Uh, Oliver's more interested than Harry. And uh, he always has been. He could probably tell you the form of most dogs at Perry Bar and Mummore, to be honest, at one stage of his life. And I won't mention how young he was then. <laughs> uh, but um, Harry loves his dogs. He's, he came come walking with me the other day and did a you know, three, three-and-a-half mile with some of the pups to um, uh, start getting them up, up and down the roads and now get a bit of strength into their legs and stuff. Uh, but, like, everything, you know what I mean? We, they needed... The, the next step to be able to come into the paddock with me mm. and they need they need that ability you know they're old enough they're strong enough they know how to look after a dog but they're not allowed anywhere near you know inside where my next bit is they're right here with the pups but they can't come into a paddock they can't weigh a dog in mm. they can't take it off the van so you know that next step for them is sort of like limited to just being here with the pups you know they love the pups we've got dogs home, they totally adore uh, you know, and they're, they're, they're good lads, but, you know, from a racing side of it and to, for their next step, you know, they do want to go into the paddock and wait. They are interested in that, but, we're, we're, you know, we're stopped really with how we can we can progress with that one.
0: But mm. well, at least you've got the love there already and, you know, it, it will come. Um, and at the... At the moment, I mean, I've had the best day ever going round all the puppies, so yeah. I would be happy as Larry just <laughs> having all my time round here. It'd be, oh, would
2: be marvellous. I must me, you haven't stopped smiling.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's just unbelievable they come at you. Like, you know those fish that are in the little fish spas, and you put your hands near them, and they just come and get you, and <laughs> they you to death, and it's just like, it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's and, and you were talking about you know the mental health side and the mental health. It's so good for people's mental health, and that was a question I was going to ask you. And I, I was hoping that you were going to say that you'd have some days in the future where it's a bit more of a focus, bring groups down and things like that. Is is that something in? The oh, way?
2: without a doubt, yeah. Simon and I have been speaking about this for months, and it's something that we want to try and replicate, maybe not to the level that Simon has with Virgos because mm. it's, it's amazing and I've met some fantastic children through Simon uh, with Kian and I haven't had the privilege of meeting Freya yet that they've named uh, the pups after. So, uh, Simon's got Rave as well, Brent, obviously Zippy like we mentioned, uh, Kian and Freya um, and it, it's something that we really want to grow with Simon and I'm using his knowledge and expertise uh, to then eventually have our own mental awareness days down here. So I'll be guided by Simon, he's a fantastic guy, he's done a lot for me uh, in the background as well, that is helping us out with certain things. So it's, it's going to be a big part of what we have moving forward because mm. I've seen how it, how it, uh, the pleasure it gives, gives me uh, great pleasure, but it gives me even more pleasure to see the, the people having this sort of life. It's amazing. What, what they do, it's really, to see them smile, you know what I mean, to see them enjoy themselves, to see them get filthy, <laughs> see them mix their food, I've got clips of people mixing their food and holding their you know their fingers over their nose because it stinks that bad, <laughs> but I get them to, little do they know, I, I don't use my hands myself, I use a spoon, but I get them using their hands, so, you know what I mean, so, it's just great, we get them mucking in, and um, it'll be a big part of what we have here down at Monk's Path, really will
0: and you just send them away with a smile on the face because I know
2: that's hopefully. what I'll be doing
1: all day so, yeah. <laughs> hopefully. hopefully good stuff and, and, and tell us about a couple of the success stories about the dogs that you've reared here on, on, you know that have transferred that ability and to the track
2: yeah we've got um, uh, Fly High Trapeze uh, and uh, Fly High Artist Little Brothers and Sisters they are by uh, Patsy Sabbath uh, the actual sire so to speak and they were the first two that we had down here and they've uh, both progressed from you know A6, A7 I think they were graded in that um, and Fly Artist uh, she's now um, running some opens and D1s um, she doesn't quite get you know 480 and she'd been up at Sheffield for a bit and done well up there and we moved her to Karen Doddington's now so she might get the 450 maybe a little bit stiff for us still at Oxford Yeah. but they're now top grade mm-hmm. you know what I mean so I couldn't have asked for nothing better and there's our starting point um of where we want to hopefully aspire to and maybe have better and more uh, but like i said you know the success is not just down to what i've bred myself or my own self any one client i have or customer uh if they're successful we're all going to enjoy their success mm. you know that's the most important thing that i've explained to everybody you know if it's you know, same litter, but, you know, you've got an A8 and they've got an open class, we don't know, but we'll all enjoy that success because we all been part of one family that we've created and are creating, and it's something I've always stressed and we'll always, you know, enjoy that moving forward.
1: And what about what's next for Path Kennels? And here you said, you know, you're not finished yet. No. What's next on the agenda and what's the long-term plan? Um, category winners? Would be okay. nice. yeah.
2: Be <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. I I, I just want to have um, success successful pups come through. You know, um, you can say it's, it's all about the stud dog. It's all about the bitch, or whatever the case may be. Just to have successful pups, and if they're not successful, make sure that I know that that pup has had everything we can possibly give them from start to finish when they leave our settings here. It gives them the best opportunity to be an aeroplane or an A8 or A7 or D1. They won't be loved any less. No. Yeah. You know which is the which is the most important thing, and they won't be cared for any less afterwards when they finished. You know that's one of the most the, the, the set points of your criteria, isn't it? But I'd love to have some British bred competition winners this year. You know I'm not breeding, I'm not breeding and investing all this this time and irrelevant to the money side of it. You know, I want to breed successful pups. Yeah. I want to have success. You know, I mean, I'm a very driven guy. You know, I mean, I had to be, I've been driven since I was a young lad playing football. You know, when someone's trying to kick you to get in your place, you know, I had to kick them back harder because I wanted to play. You know what I mean? So from a professional side of it, I want to breed success. I'm passionate about winning British bred competitions, but, you know, I want to be successful. You know, I'm gunning a, for them. I am, yeah, I am <laughs> gunning for them. Watch this space, Mr. Hutton and Mr. McMahon. You, you can't see but Dave's
1: rubbing his hands together. Yes, I am, yes, <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah, I'm looking forward to the competition. Hopefully, we've got good enough stuff to go to war with, so to speak, and um, get in these competitions. I think we will have, yeah. Um, and uh, it might take us a little bit longer, but we'll get there.
0: I think the time, the effort, the you know, the, just the passion that's gone into Monks Path Kennels is there for all to see. You know, as soon as you walk through the door, you greet greeted with a smile. Everybody's so excited about what they do here. Yeah. And the pups, you can tell, are happy. We've been around the whole place, haven't we? And they're just so happy. We can probably hear them. They are <laughs> always very vocal, very happy dogs. And, you know, that, that's testament to what to what you do, you know, and you can't, Fake that?
2: No, you know, not,
0: not at all. Um, no. And every single one I've been to see, you know, they, I'm just—I mean, I'm just the happiest person ever in the world today. <laughs> and you've, you've
2: got to remember as well, you know, we've got Aaron and I are very lucky. We've got a fantastic team. Mm. You know, Aaron and I work extremely hard with, uh, with obviously with Pam, who heads up the whole operation here in regards to you know it's Pam's house and it's you know her land and everything like that. Since so she's been here a long, long time. Uh, So she oversees everything that's going on. She doesn't miss a trick. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of people here that we have to thank for. Mm. They do a lot of work for us. Some of it unpaid, you know, and some of it's purely down on their passion. And we thank them all for it. Uh, But they'll always enjoy the success that we have as a team. Mm. So we're always, you know, you know, a few weeks ago I did the RPG TV a remote guest yeah. and when I drove in the next morning they all gave me a standing ovation and a guard of honour I'm not sure whether that was because I didn't swear or whether that's because I did well I'm not quite sure they haven't told me yet but <laughs> wait till this comes out <laughs> yeah yes I know that's what I'm worried about you have
0: a champagne reception yeah. I'm not sure they'll
2: be s- me with something <laughs> um, so yeah we have a great team you know I mean we're very lucky to have people like Greg, you know, Greg Hiller does all the injuries here on site, you know, seven days a week. So anything that we have to do, you know, with treatments, we're on site. He's you know, he's fancy been working with dogs for 40 years. So little things like that, what we have to offer, you know, is is I think it's unrivaled, to be honest. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. You know, to have that immediately on site. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible really. And, you know, everyone gets on. We you see we're having a crack with you know, can land salmon. We call him Winnie <laughs> for different things. Everyone's got a nickname <laughs> and stuff what like shows? that. <laughs> pie man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do we need to ask why? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. A, thank, thankfully, it's uh, there's no vision on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that subject, what's your favourite pie? Or steak and ale. Oh.
0: Steak,
2: steak and ale, me. plenty of gravy, mushy peas and chips. Oh. <laughs> Bread and butter.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: That's why they call
1: you the pie man. Yes.
2: <laughs> That's what I was called when I was called Titterton the Tank Engine when I was playing football. <laughs> yeah, I know. And there's a, believe it or not, there's a comic made, and it's about me, Titterton the Tank Engine in Hereford. And uh, they call me the pie man. But I wasn't, I wasn't actually chunky then. I was big, but I, was never, I wasn't actually as big as I am now, obviously. I was a professional athlete. But uh, they
1: did seem to think I liked a pie that's a, that's a greyhound name, isn't it? Yeah. Titterton the Tank Engine. T- yeah, that's it, yeah. You'd have
0: to put it all in one word, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't like, want to comment Do com- <laughs> the
2: commentary on Titterton the Tank, <laughs> tank <laughs> Engine.
0: Because
2: you've got Jonathan Ross. <laughs> yeah. R's and W's.
0: Oh, strike a line through that one. It's not going <laughs> yeah.
2: through. So it's, um, you know, I don't know. It's just the people around, that make the place. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think it's great to see someone like this in Britain as well because, you know, mm. the Irish are renowned for, for breeding and, and, and rearing pups and they still are, you know, they've got a strong hand but there's not that many places like this in, in Britain doing what we are No, doing. And,
2: and we need we need more. We need, uh, you know, I, I'm we're doing our part, you know, to give people the opportunity to have this privilege of having a, I call it a privilege of having a greyhound because it is because yeah, you've got is. a lot of due care and duty to have that, have that greyhound before and after. So, there's a lot of responsibility uh, between everybody, but to give people that opportunity, but also, like, you know, it's cost to, to take a bitch to Ireland to get a mate. It hopefully, she takes. There's a lot of stress on the bitch that that could be. Mm. She might not necessarily take anyway. And then you've got to bring them back. You know, there could be looking up between six and 800 euros just to get a bitch to Ireland and back. That, and yeah. that's hopefully that she does stand and take. Anyway, you know, yeah. here, you know, British Bread is what I want. You know, I want us to give them, give them that opportunity.
0: The British Bread scene now has loads of Category 1, 2 and 3 competitions that you can gun for, so, you know, they've got a good programme that you can aim for to get the success. Exactly,
2: so. yeah, that's the programme. You know, I've got it on my, uh, on my calendar at home. Everything to do with British Bread... You know, the BGBF, the funding that's coming in, the additional funding, the money that's coming in, you know, it, it is the way forward. There is going to be a lot more around for it and it is the way to go. And we need to promote it and get it out there and give people the facilities and the ability to have a British bread pop, you know, give them that. That's what we're trying to do here, our little part. Uh, but also we need additional, we need additional stuff for schooling you know, we need to have separate days, um, things that we're talking about now that we need for people moving on from just the rearing the breeding to the next station, the schooling. We need schooling days at tracks that we can teach them and give them two or three hand slips or you know, show them a different hair, a slower hair and all this sort of stuff, etc. Teach them, hold them in the traps, out the traps. You know, we're having to go six to eight times to a schooling track before I think a pup is properly schooled and ready mm. to do it properly. That's in my own mind, the way that we we work and we hold the dogs and from a hand slip to holding them in the boxes, you know, to a sprint, to a four bends, all the build-up processes. It's a two-month process, you know, minimum. But there's very, very few <laughs> places in the country that are allowing us to, to use those facilities because there isn't any. Mm. You know, we've got Bista. You know, and that's a two-hour drive for us. So we are in talks with, um, you know, the powers that be, and hopefully in the not-too-distant future we'll have some amazing news to really will be a game-changing part to our industry that we'll be able to launch and go to press in the next next few weeks. Okay.
1: Well, before you we go so, to the
2: press, come to the Garns
1: and Dogs podcast, please, though. <laughs> Sounds yeah. exciting. We'll bring
0: you the sandwiches,
1: Yeah.
0: Where do you see the future of the sport?
2: Bright. Why? Why not? Why? Why? Why be anything other than optimistic? You know, I'm. I'm always glass half full. Um, you know, it's it's a an industry that's heavily uh, people supporting in regards to the you know the gambling side of it, etc. Which obviously isn't pr- primary for everybody, but for me, I'm optimistic. You know what I mean? I, I, why? Why wouldn't be going into something that I think is going to finish in two years, in five years, or ten years? You know, uh, let's let's crack on. Let's be positive. Uh, there's too many people in in the industry willing to slam the the littlest thing I think you know to the ground when we should be talking about the positive things that are coming through, like Monk's Path Kennels, like what Kevin's bred, what is what he's reared, what is the, success, the successes he's had and the McNairs and all these sorts of people, let's promote it, let's get it out there. This, the things that we're doing for the welfare have been incredible the last 12 months, two years, haven't they? What, we, what we've come up with and, well, the, you know, the powers that be. You know, it's just, well, let's, let's move this industry on, let's get the support of the, the right funding back into us that we so rightly deserve. We can pass that on to the trainers, the owners, for the funding, for the, uh, for the you know, the winner's checks, etc., cetera, for the kennel lands, for the wages, et cetera. You Know that's where it all should be, and everybody will still be happy. I can't see anything other than being optimistic and wanting to be successful. All of us, we have a chance to, to do that. And if I can help in any little way, that's that's what my, my part of what I'm doing.
0: That's, that's what we want to do, isn't it, Joe? Absolutely, you know, yeah. with this podcast, well, you know, that, we started it. it thinking, not thinking, oh, yeah, it'll only be a year or two or whatever. We are in this for the long haul, so <clears> that's what we want to do. Spread the good news stories. yeah, I'm very happy that yeah. you've yeah. been
1: with us. Yeah, no. And and speak to people like yourself that are pushing the game forward and doing something different and and new. And um, yeah,
2: main main thing is today. You know, uh, you know, both of you, you've come up here, you've had your time, you've come out here. You're you're in the industry that you love, and you're promoting what you're doing here, and it's fantastic. You know, I take my hats off to you both uh, for what you're doing and and the traction that you're going to receive from everything. So we need you guys. We need everybody, the people that are going out there and doing this and promoting and and spreading the good word about our industry. It's a a beautiful industry to be in. We we love our animals, don't we? Yeah. You know,
1: we love our greyhounds. You know what I mean? You can see it in people's eyes. It's time-consuming. It's a lot of effort, money. If you didn't love the greyhounds, (laughs) you wouldn't be anywhere near it, would you? No. It's all about the greyhounds. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, you can see that, not just here,
2: I can't speak for any other people's kennels and that, but I can imagine how much they we love ours and how much they would love theirs. Yeah. Um, so it is all about the greyhounds and everything that about them. We love them. Yes.
1: Exactly. Now, we've got a couple of questions from, right. from social and from, from other people. Great. Um, one, we've already mentioned Dr. Simon and we've yes. already mentioned Ravensworld Brent. So yes. he says, what are you going to do when he wins the derby in 2024? How are you going to celebrate? Oh, we will be celebrating for long. Uh, first, The first thing
2: Simon's got to get right and remember is his wallet. Right. Yes, because he has a habit of leaving it in the hotel and drinking numerous pints of cider uh, that... Um, that we have to settle up at the end of the day for him. <laughs> Not only joking, really. It's fantastic. <laughs>
3: yeah. um,
2: if Ravenswell Brent or any of Simon's pups win, we will be celebrating for days on end. You know, we'll make sure that the dog gets back to the kennels, <laughs> got, gets loads of healthy milk and food and everything that, and, and, and then he'll be down the bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the law will be down the bell in um, in in uh, <laughs> Um, Celebrating until the early morning and the next day and the day after that. Uh, that's just dreams, isn't it? But why not dream? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I, I, my dream was to be a professional footballer and I, I was luckily enough and good enough to achieve that dream. And I'm dreaming now about greyhounds. And, you know, derbies, that is the, the pinnacle of all pinnacles, isn't it? But...
1: Mm-hmm. Kevin and said last week that's what drives the sport because everyone yeah. wants to you know train, breed, own a winner at a Derby, and it that's the, that's the event.
2: Exactly. That
1: pushes exactly. things forward. You know
2: I think it'd be great for us this year if we actually had you know a runner on Derby night. That, that's one of my goals this year is to have a runner that I've bred on Derby night. That that's one of my things. So if I can achieve that goal this year, then I've achieved
1: one of my tick off lists.
0: Fabulous.
1: Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to. I right, apologise to the listeners. I can't remember who asked me about this or, or who mentioned it, but um, somebody said, "Tell us a story of Little Ernie and Fly High Ernie." There's a bit of a story behind behind that.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's uh, an unbelievable story. Um, John Allen and uh, was uh, an old football manager of mine. He was the assistant manager at Hensford Town when I was playing there, and we've done loads of business. I run my own telecommunications company and I've always done his comms and he's the chairman of Rushall Olympic and his son Nick Allen who's co-chairman and we've been friends for many many years and um, unfortunately he he had a a grandson Ernie who unfortunately uh, on the way back from holiday uh, uh, passed away at five months uh, old at the airport Uh, and um, the story's just Uh, totally uh, unbelievable really and um, he approached me some months ago and said we'd like to do something uh, in memory of Ernie for the family Uh, because unfortunately uh, even worse that uh, John's uh, wife passed away in Covid Uh, so he's not only lost his, his wife and the family head uh, he unfortunately lost. Uh, I think he was his first grandson. Uh, and John's a family man. You know, what I mean, he loves his family. Um, and you know, everybody was uh, uncontrollably, you know, upset and stuff. And you can imagine the trials and tribulations, what they're going through, you know, physically and mentally and stuff. His daughter, his family, him, the grandparents, everybody concerned the family. And um, I said to him, I said, well. Oh, come on then mate, you know, he, he loves, um, he, John's uh, the, the uh, you know, the liveliest person in the, in the in the room having a pie and a pint and all that stuff <laughs> and a crack and he's a great bloke, great family, known him for 20 plus years. I says, come on, uh, you know, what should, what should we do? He says, I'll tell you what, he says, we'll have a greyhound, we'll have a thing and we call him Ernie,
0: because
2: yeah. that's little Ernie. So he's called Fly Eye Ernie and um, I send him daily and weekly uh, updates for his daughter and the family about how Ernie's doing and that you know they pop down and see him when they can as a family um, I put little bits uh, you know regards to Ernie's story but I didn't want uh, the family have asked me not to say any more about the story mm. in regards to the in-depths of all the intricacies it's exactly what happened and I respect that uh, And but they are going to um, bring the story out with me and we'll share it with you guys and, and the listeners. And it's uh, a truly heart-wrenching story, what happened. Um, and they've got Ernie to, to go for, whether it would be open, Class A, 1A. Well, that dog is going to be loved forever, <laughs> uh, you know. And um, I put a little picture of little Ernie. was the cutest little boy you'll ever see, little baby. And uh, it's just an unbelievable story, you know what I mean? It was just... It's just incredible to hear what the way he spoke and then to lose his beautiful wife as well you know in in restrictions of covid you just couldn't believe it mm. so um, you know we've got ernie and we're just gonna have a crack with him and a laugh and you know what i mean and do everything we can with him and for him um and that's that's their story so far what's
0: Ernie, like the dog, the puppy, what's, he, what's his character? Is he a mischievous type or is he... He's a towrag. <laughs> is he? He's a
2: little towrag. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a cutie. If you're going to feed him, he's trying to pull your leggings down and all that sort of stuff. He's in, he is mischievous. He is a li- he's got a right little character about him. <laughs> uh, a bit like John and Nick, to be honest. They're characters, etc. And, uh, yeah, he's full of life.
1: We'll have to all follow his journey as well. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: it, hopefully it'll be a, you know, a virtuous one for them and a successful one. But the 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 pup will just be forever in their family, Yeah. Uh, etc. And, you know, one beautiful, bright side of this, uh, John's daughter uh, has luckily since had twins. Oh. So there is a bit of a hope and glimmer for them yeah. and a fantastic thing to finish but you know we will share Ernie's true story and whole story with everybody um, when the family give me the opportunity to do that
1: 100% and we'll all look out for that when, when the time's right yeah and we
2: wish them all the best and all the good luck and we'll certainly have a few dinners and nights out anyway <laughs> hopefully watching little Ernie go around the track <laughs> and I don't think there'll be a dry eye in the stadium <laughs> oh, to think oh, oh, no. so? You Absolutely know if I know John and Nick and myself will all be uh, we'll all be turning away at some stage uh, with a, with a tissue in our eye
0: yeah can't wait to see him on the track
2: yeah yeah
0: well, thank you, David. It's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much you're no. already our favourite guest because you gave us sandwiches
2: so
3: <laughs> any further
0: people that come on the podcast sandwiches or an got, upgrade from there is you uh, the way you've got something to live forward. up to now everybody yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: behold they're not coming cool unless you get sandwiches and coffee <laughs> but, uh, I didn't do the coffees but I did the sandwiches no
1: well, we had a coffee that's the main thing yes. So, yes. Yes. So, yeah. even if you didn't make it no we've, we've, thanks for inviting us here it's been a fantastic morning really enjoyed it seeing the dogs the puppies playing games with each other chasing each other around it's been, it's been great thank you and very much me and (laughs) Joe. Thank you both.
0: to the betting section of episode two of Gone to the Dogs and we've got Ryan Keneally with us to give us his betting expertise but firstly Ryan hello welcome to the podcast and just tell us a little bit about yourself and why we should be listening to your tips in particular.
4: Uh, Hello Uh, thank you both of you for letting me uh, be on the show and thank you also for being the first person to refer to me as a betting expert so (laughs) uh, Danny I appreciate that a lot. Um, so yeah, my name's Ryan. Uh, I'm part of the Keneally family. I think most people will know my recognise my brother from RPG TV. And then most people would probably also um have got to know my dad a little bit as well through the Derby, where he was general manager of Toaster, a Toaster Race Course um throughout the Derby and prior to that. Um I got involved in racing when I was about five. Um my dad used to be an avid goer uh, to go regularly to Hall Green. Uh that's probably our local track at the time before Coventry opened, but it was Hall Green, so I remember going there, getting my 50p forecast on. I think there was, if I remember rightly, there was a park just outside the Third Bend, so I remember most of my Friday and Saturday nights were spent there, and then just growing up, you get around it, and then you eventually get the bug, don't you? And then my dad actually became um, general manager of Coventry Stadium, or Harry Finney took over, so he was there for, uh, I think it was a year. Sunday nights at Coventry were probably the best meet of the week and something that I really miss. Unfortunately, though, Coventry couldn't work. Um, there's still, I guess, some false hope that it does. But then, yeah, basically from then, though, I was completely hooked. Started watching racing, love all, love every kind of racing. Used to watch it all the time on TV. Used to go as much as I could. Uh, unfortunately, then my track started, the started closing. We lost uh, Hall Green in Coventry. So, yeah, they're getting a few and far between now. But, yeah, I'm just absolutely obsessed with the sport.
0: Now, we have got some massive events coming up this weekend. Firstly is the BGBF British Bread Puppy Cup Final at Oxford. And we've got a pretty good lineup, but it's going to be all about one dog, I
4: think. It is, yeah. Um, For the competition, everyone knows that Romeo Atomic was an absolute good thing. It was completely, it was on dog. I think it was like one to three anti-post, which is just unheard of. And then after its first round where it did 2707, which is a flying time, I think then I've seen quotes of like one to seven, one to six of the competition. Mm. But its run last week, I think, has baffled everybody. I think if you look at the previous winning time uh, for the first year, I think it was 27 2780. And then you watch Romeo Thomas run, and even though any he only won three lengths, you were still thinking that okay, he's probably done a 2750, 2740. But then when the winning time came at 2811. I think myself and along with everyone was probably scratching their heads going, well, what was going on there? The dogs lost a second. And even though when you look at how it, how it broke, look out to the first bend, it seemed all right. So it's kind of left a little bit of a grey area. A few doubts in the competition, which actually made it probably more interesting. Because it's given a few of the dogs a chance. Now, I think if Romeo Atomic, if that was just a blip, Romeo Atomic at one to two, and I, I will never endorse a shot dogs. But if you can get one to two on Romeo Atomic prior to last week, you snap everyone's hand off the run last week, i put a little bit of doubt in it. So I'm still going to go Romeo Atomic, which is not original. I've actually bet through to McGavin in track three anti-post. Um, I was just looking for something that, at a fair price, that I thought had a bit of scope for improvement. Kevin Hutton's dog. Uh, it's been beat by Romeo Atomic twice, but it's going to be eight lengths three and three and three-quarter lengths. So it's uh, clearly getting better. I don't think he can win, but I'm just hoping that he can finish in the first four so i get my anti-post money. Um, but I'm going to go Romeo Atomic. I'll give it credit. I was put last week as a bit of a blip. It's a quality dog. Kevin Hurt has already said it's going for the Derby uh, this year after this competition. So I'm going to go with Romeo Atomic. And I'm going to give a chance if there's any um, betting without or a- anybody who bets the forecast. I'll go with Trap 6, Watch All Sid. Come second last week to Jaffa, but it didn't make the best of starts. Then it got checked up by the 5-dog really early on in the race. I just think that if Watch All Sid can come away a lot better. It can look after itself really early around the first two bends. It can turn second then to Romeo Atomic. Wouldn't be for catching Atomic but it'd be a clear second. I don't think anybody would catch Watchall Sid for second place. So I'm going to go with Romeo Atomic to beat Watchall Sid and just hope that Shooter McGavin gets anti-post bet up finishing in the first four.
0: Sounds good to me. And I like a good forecast and maybe a TriCast as well with Shooter McGavin in there. So I uh, might have my cheeky 50p on the combis uh, for <laughs> the Puppy Cup. And Joe, I mean, Romeo Atomic, we were talking to Kevin Hutton, weren't we? And he, he's all over this, this greyhound. He's just so excited about him.
1: He is, and you could see why. But last week, um, as Ryan said, he got out. Wow, well. he got to the first bend quickly, and you just thought, "How far?" You know, but he didn't mm-hmm. seem to get away from the pack. And you know, for any other greyhound, if you backed him, you'd be happy the, with the way he won. And it, you know, he was fr- three odd lengths, but you were expecting him to pull away, and he just didn't um, show that wow factor. Now, I will caveat that the track was very very slow last friday it was it was hard work so maybe that just blunted a bit of his pace and allowed the others to get closer but um hopefully he'll put on a show friday um you know he's not the only dog in it there's some really nice pups jaffa did run a cracker last week um and he's worthy second favorite um no no better for me now but i'll watch it and um you know there's some there's some lovely pups that will come out of it and, and run well in 2023
0: We've also got some pretty big races at Romford and Joe, I'm going to throw to you because I know that you very much like the look of Droopy's chaser and he's still in.
1: He's still in. He's made the final. Yeah, he was my anti post selection. He was sort of eight nines at the start of the competition. Um, I did say on the last podcast that he needs to get his trapping boots on. He did in the first round, but he didn't quite get out last week, which was always the danger Um, and and he got beat. But I'm happy to have him there. You know, Rapido, Sabbath has looked good. Gumbo, Wichita. you got Droopy's Gambler at 14s who who uh, ran a cracker last week. So it's a really good final. I'm looking forward to it, but obviously I'm not going to st- stay away from uh, Droopy's Chaser. And Opie or gets in the top four for the each way money.
4: And Ryan, who are you having your eyes on for the maiden? I'd love to say great minds because I also um, back Droopy's Chaser, <laughs> uh, anti-post as well. I was on. Um But I was absolutely, when I've seen the qualifiers and seen four railers, and then Charles Gaskin, Chaser, I was just really hoping that we would draw inside. Uh, Charles Gaskin, sorry, in five. It's still not the worst draw, but like Joe just said, then he's, the dog's not trapping. And I think, especially around Romford, if you haven't got the best early and you can't get yourself around that first two positions early on, I think you are going to struggle. Now, I don't think Droopy's Chaser is dog who, say there were six railers in the race, you wouldn't mind being in track. You, you really want to be in track one or six if there's six railers. But I don't think Chaser's got the early pace to clear all five dogs. And I've I've just got the race really as a straight on match race between Trap One, Gunboat uh, Wichita, which is own bomber mates, such as Rob Sam and a few others. But to add it between that and Trap Two, Rapido Sabbath, who I think was 25 to 1 anti post. And the dogs just taken to Romford really well. I think a lot of Yarmouth A1 dogs who, who do make the trip across to Romford do really, really well here. I think it's no difference for Rapido Sabbath. So yeah, I think it is a race to the Ben as it is Romford. And I'm just gonna edge with trap two. My mates won't be happy, but I'm just gonna go side with trap two Rapido Sabbath, who I think is just showing that a little bit more trapping ability. I think if he I think he's got the pace to uh definitely lead the the, the uh, dogs on the outside. I think he'll just about be able to chop across trap one, and I think he won't be for catching. And then I'm just hoping that Drew P's Chaser can somehow turn on the pitch and if not win, at least get in that top three positions for, uh, for the anti-post bet.
1: You'd hope, uh, Brian, wouldn't you, that if he was in a pitch come the first, second bend, he has got the staying power to, to go past these. It's just you're going to know your
4: fate early on, aren't you? You are, yeah. You just, like I say, you're just hoping that he comes away and can avoid and can somehow avoid Charms gas really early. Charms gas could be actually the, the little bit spanner in the works because Charms gas on his day is capable. And if he was to take an absolute flyer and chop across, then it might open the door then for Droopy's chaser. And I do think that if he did turn within a pitch of a dog, he would go on to win. So it's just a case of hoping that he can come away, avoid trouble early, and then hopefully sweep around the outside. But I'll just go with Trap Two, Rapido Sabbath, who I think has been faultless so far.
0: Yeah, he certainly has. And again, anything like 25 to 1 on Friday night. Now, the biggest race of the evening at Romford is, of course, the Coral Essex Vars final. Can we look past Kulavani Vanianti? I mean, I absolutely love this bitch, but I was having a, a bit of an eye on Queen Pink. I think she's been very good so far, but Kulavani Vanianti, of course, is all class, Joe.
1: She is, yeah. Although I have to say, I haven't been overly impressed with her uh, in in the Essex Vars so far. She did meet a bit of trouble last time and came a valiant second. But at two to one, she's probably one I'm, I'd want to take on in in the final myself. It, it is wide open. It is a cracking final. Really good, as you say. I am Zemaj. was brilliant last time. Queen Pink. If she breaks like she did last time, she'll be hard to um, pin back. But Maybe a little bit wider than ideal. I'm not sure. Um to me, I think the one that stands out at the prices in the final is, is mini bullet at sixes. I think if she can get out well and, and and trap, you know she's got some decent sectionals on her card there, including last time out. she runs like that again. she'll be she'll be hard to beat, And I just think as I said, at six to one that that's the value in the final for me ryan, what what do you reckon?
4: I'm actually going to go with uh, one call of and the reason being. I think we all know that the going on the outside last week wasn't favourable for the outside dogs. I think that I mean you look at the Vanna Bailout's heat, I think she turned fairly handy and then ended up finishing fifth or sixth, I think. Nothing was getting up on the outside. It's gonna sound weird, but if you watch Corner Van Iante's run last week when she led Arms and Magic. She ran off at the third. She ran off the second bend, so she's run a really wide line uh, going toward the third. She then ran off down the back straight off the fourth bend, which then allowed Arms and Magic. So she's actually done most of her running last week on going that that wasn't ideal. i watched the race back and back, and I, just, I couldn't I couldn't really work out why she ran so wide on the straights. And then I compared to the first round where she was in trap three and, and got beat at Queen Pink, where she actually turned behind Arms and Magic and then ran on and ran really well. I just think that, providing that they go in, throwing that uh runs the line that she should, which, which, which would be rails to middle at, at the worst, at the widest. I think that cordova loves Romford. She's won competition around here before. And I just think that two can be the stopper. Two, like you mentioned, two's got a lot of early pace. I think two can be the stopper to ensure that three, four, five, and six don't get that early lead. I think if cordova turns behind uh, trap two minutes bullet, then I think Call will go on to win. So I, I would take last week's win with a bit of a pinch of salt when she got caught. Mm. If you if you watch the replay again, she's ran such a wide line, uh, basically ran the the whole track, and the going on the outside was completely dead. So yeah, I'm going to give another the chance Call of Ani and I'd be I think you'd be getting probably about five to two, uh, three point 3.6 uh, on the machine at the race. So yeah, th- that's where my money would be going, but. It's a really, really good final. Fortunately, it's obviously you, you can tell what last week's game was like. You've got six railers in there. I hope all dogs, I hope all, uh, all all dogs do come off safe and sound. But yeah, I'm mm. going to go with track one quarter of ante. I wouldn't be taking two to one. I think you, you're getting more five to two, and I do think that a uh, lot like you mentioned. I think Mindy's Bullet probably is the value bet six to one because she's got every chance to lead if she does, and if you leave around Romford, you that's half the battle won.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And Kulavani cool auntie then for Ryan, we've got the value bet for Joe, and Mini Bullet, and I'm with Trap 4, Queen Pink. That is the Coral <laughs> Essex Vars final coming up at Romford on Friday night.
1: Right, so Saturday sees the start of some excellent competitions, mini competitions at Hove. Um, Ryan, we're going to start with the Gala Sprint first, and it's two semi-finals, three from each go to the final next Saturday.
4: You've had a look, what do you fancy? Uh, in the in the first heat, seven thirty-six, I think. Get out of my way is closely. It's making a really good case for itself to become the or one of uh, the best sprinters in the country. Um, to be honest, it's just a bit of a winning machine, really. Where everywhere it goes, it's very flexible. It can run at uh, loads of different tracks. I think it's run at Monmore uh, at the weekend was excellent. Be a really good feeling, including. Is it is it Goo Gain Jet? Yeah. Yeah, like, is, yeah, out, yeah. we know how quick. We know how quick. Um, he is. So yeah, I'm gonna go get out of my way, blast off, Mason. Really, really good dog. I mean, it's just one of the dogs that you love to own, but he's not the best trapper. So I just think he's gonna, um, I think get out of my way, trap three. He's just gonna have every chance. I think you'd be hopefully getting around five, six to four on Saturday. I think that's where your money would go.
1: Okay, excellent. And then in in the other heat, you had a look.
4: Yeah. Uh. Just I just sided with trap six. Uh wish me look here. Punk rock caramello, one of the best graders, graded dogs around there. I don't think this is the strongest heat. Uh, I think he's just got every chance. Uh Molly's made in one run really well yesterday, actually. Put a really good winning but it wasn't the greatest of D1s. You've got to respect any D1 at Central Park. I think D the greatest sprints at Central Park is one of the best in the country. And a 1627 at Central Park's flying, but I'm just gonna go with trap six for that. a uh, little bit of trap knowledge. So yeah, I'll go for Trap Six, Punk Rock, Caramello, but I'd be going with Trap Three, Outright, Get Out of My Way,
1: Get Out of My Way, Eleven to Four shot at the moment for for Ryan in the anti-post as well. No, no hove run though. Um, as you said, very versatile winning machine. That would just put me off at eleven to four in the anti-post market a little. I do think um, he should come through in his, his heat for sure. I'm going to have a little bet on two in the anti-post market. They're not that original themselves, but I think Blastoff Mason has got a nice draw in his heat in two. Um, he, he cannot trap, but I think he should get past uh, Outback Laura and grab the rail in there. There's only three railers in the whole competition here um, out of the 12 dogs. So if he does get through, he should have a nice draw in the final two. So I, I usually bet each way in, in these anti-post markets, but I'm going to bet him win only. Um, and then the other one I thought was interesting, he's about seven to one at the moment, was town Buster, um, he's lightly raced here, but he's had two nice uh, sprint trials, 16:46 um, and 16:33, which are pretty pretty good times around Hove. So at seven to one, I think he might be one that could come out of the pack and and take the victory a week tomorrow. So those two from me. Ryan, moving on to the 5-1-5 uh, uh, New Year gala race. Here We've got 18 dogs this time, so three heats. Um, and the first two in each one go through to the final, not the first three. Who have you got here on here?
4: Um, so I'll just go heat to heat. So I thought the first heat, I think I speak for everyone when we say we love competitions over 5-1-5 at Hove. Um, I wish there were more of them, to be honest yeah. Uh But I'm going to go with the first heat, track two, Claire, Keith, Remy. The does got a touch of class about it. Uh, I think it reached the final of the uh, of the eclipse at Nottingham. Got an unbelievable draw here. And it's got every chance to lead track one up Battlefield Rising. Uh the 2957, Clarkey Fremie did a trial last week over the 500 meter trip will be fine. And you know that does going to be going on from that over the five on five. Um, he will he'll he'll, he'll love the extra 15 meters. And I think that there's every chance that let pat will probably take him off. And I just think that Lucky Fremie will turn handy at the first bend and, and will go on to win. So, yeah, I'll go with Trap 2 in the first heat. In the second heat, the 854, I decided it was really, really, really tough race, Probably a bit of an A, and then what would be equivalent to like a high A1 race. I'll go with Stellis Fruity just on the draw. The, the dog stays really well. It's the right side of Lohill Hill Sean. Um, Sean's been running really, really well in A1s at Hove, but it's been kind of getting around the bend just by being in Trap 1. I think that now it's enjoying Trap 2. I think it might just struggle to lead Stellis Fruity up a length. Uh, I was looking at five interesting and really interesting uh, dogs, Sutton and Spike for uh, P Donovan. But I just thought that from watching the Central Park, when it didn't quite stay, having didn't lead. I think Droopy's mural will have every chance to get a run on the outside, but I'm just going to favour Steaders Fruit for being on the inside. And i will go one to beat six in a close call, but I think Druby Mule will definitely come on for the run. I think it'll appreciate that. I think it got to the final of the Olympic uh, in yeah. December. In December, so it's it's got a bit of a class about it. But I'm just going to side with Track One so that is fruity in that heat, and then in the last heat, Global Vision is a top quality dog, but the run at Central is kind of confusing because. He turned fairly handy and then got blown away from being perfectly honest by uh Havana Rule Blaze and Mystical Megan, which is which is no disgrace. But I, I mean, Global Vision is a dog that I've followed since the Derby last year. And I was just surprised, really. So not quite sure that he's firing all cylinders. He might find a little bit of trouble uh clearing trap two. So I'm just gonna give a chance to Narcos Tater in trap six, uh, who's moved out from Newcastle and I think it's got every chance to be Droopy's good time. Who who we all know is a really really strong dog, but I think he can turn handy now because So at a price, I'm going to tip up trap six to beat Global Vision. And my anti-post bet, I'll put two up. Uh, Droopy's Mural, I think will keep getting a run. Loves the track, but nine to two is quite short. So I'm going to actually put up Claire Keith Remy uh, twelve to one, who I think, uh, as long as it keeps uh, getting a good draw and avoiding early pace on the inside, I think that providing that. He uh, keeps turning handy at the bend. He'll, he'll love every bit of his 515 metres. And yeah, I think at 12 to 1, you're getting good value there because the dogs mixed it with the best at Nottingham in the Eclipse. And I think he loves Hove. So yeah, I think you've got a nice bit of value there at 12 to 1. So my anti post would be Claire Keith Remy. Yeah,
1: he is. And he's actually available at 16s now. Um, Bet Fair, uh, Paddy Power have priced it up uh, this morning. So. Even more value, and you've got uh, global vision. Anti post favorite you mentioned there, three to one. I mean, that, that's that wouldn't be one for me. That's that's very short. I think it's it's a good comp. I've Got my eye personally on on Drooper's Good Time is the one I'm going to bet at the, the prices. Um, sixteen to one, I, I think. Yeah, sixteen to one. Droop's Good Time at the moment at the time of recording. Good, really good recent trial over five hundred. Um, twenty nine twenty one round Hove, which is really good going. Uh, we know he's a stayer. Um, he's never actually won at Hove, but he's had some good runs and some good times. And I, th- I think he should qualify from the heat as well in the top two, I hope. So um, at 16s, that would be the one for me. I mean, I, what you're saying, Ryan Droopers mural was definitely on the shortlist, as you say, Olympic finalist. And what a competition that was
4: mm-hmm. to get to
1: the final in that was, was good and, and ran well in the semi-final Only, I think, half a length for a length behind latoro Toro. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that reads well. Um, Think's got, got got a great trans troopers more and thunder black as well was Olympic semi finalist, but in the heat with Delish Frankie from poster pillar and hopes Paddington. I mean, good yeah. luck qualifying from from that semi final. But one last run at Hove, which was over five hundred, and last three at Central Park, so on a roll. But um, just a little bit skinny in the prices. Um, Thunder Black four to one, Droopers Mural nine to two, which is a little bit better, but Droopers good time at sixteens each way for me in, in that for, for the value. Right, Ryan, and finally at Hove on Saturday we've got the Gala Maiden over five hundred meters. Obviously, just to reiterate, this is for greyhounds that haven't won an open yet at Hove, and we've got eighteen runners here again, same as the five one five competition, and the first two qualify from the free heat. So uh, away you go.
4: Yeah, I'm a really, I must say, I'm a really big fan of these competitions. I think there's a massive place for them in the calendar. Uh, I think it gives your, your graded, your, your really good graded owners like your A1, A2 dogs a chance just to compete in the open scene and to win that prize money. So yeah, I'm all for these. I love, I love competitions like this at Hove, and I love the one at Romford as well. Um, so yeah, I hope that there's there's plenty more added to the calendar for the year because I think there is a, definitely a place for them. Uh, but yeah, but uh, just back to this one, uh, really, really, really top heavy market i'd say in the betting um I, uh, looking at anti post i did really fancy drive on lad i just thought it was a bit of a dropping class really overall for the dog but then i seen the price and i went oh was it probably a little bit too short um so just going through the heats, first heat's really really competitive i'm just going to give a chance um to uh trap six i'm happy lassie who will probably be a massive price i was thinking that uh, it's, it's going to have a draw really early. It's got decent early pace and not a lot of early in the race. Uh, I think that'd be probably money for, for trap four Droopy's request, but ran fairly well at Central Park, uh, but just looked a little bit one pace down the back end, for being honest. So I think that Richard, Reason Charlie would want just a little bit more from Drupi's request too. Clearly he's capable. I think Brady's bullet as well, track three, re- tried really well. Excellent run at Clonmouth. I think there be money for that. I'm just thinking a little bit more track experience. I'll give a chance to happy Lassie. He'll probably be probably best, know, seven, eight to one uh, on Saturday. So I'll give a chance for that in the first heat. The second heat, I'm just going to go with track three, Hay Bale, uh, hey Bale. I think that it's Oxford run, 27-22 is handy. It can definitely stay a further. It's ran quite a few races now, I believe, uh, over the 650 Oxford. I think in a race like this where it's got every chance to turn handy, uh I think that's probably a slight dropping class really for Hay-Bell. So yeah, I'll be going for M- um, Matt Dartnell's bitch in trap three, Hay Bell for the second heat. And then in the last heat, then as I mentioned, drive on lad for the anti-post. I think this is a massive dropping class for drive on lad. I think it's shown really good early uh at Romford. It runs at Hove. I think it uh it runs at Hove as well behind Burnchurch, Mick, and Teagan Bigun, Bocco's Belly finish out of that. I think I think they hold up really well. I think that the inside draw will help this. Uh, will uh, help this dog. So yeah, in the third heat, I think drive on lad. It will go off odds on. So if you can get anything odds against, even money plus, I'd definitely be looking to play that. And then in the terms of anti-post, again, it's really, really tough here. Um, to find someone with a bit of value. Uh, I would just go with Hay Bale. I think twelve to one. If I was looking for a value bet, I think that's got it. has it, got every chance to turn handy in, in this kind of competition. It definitely stays. So yeah, twelve to one. you reach way value probably be Hay Bale for Matt Dartnell, but I do think Drive On Lad is the class act. But uh, I'll be keeping an eye out as well on Brady's Bullet, who looks a nice sort.
1: Yeah, interesting stuff. I did actually put up uh, drive on lad on the podcast a couple of weeks ago for the Essex Vars at sixty sixes. I thought he was a, a big price. Unfortunately he found a lot of trouble, had a bad trip and, and came fourth. But it was a it was a run full of promise. So you can see why he's anti post favourite here. And he is in a looks like he's in a weaker heat. You'd expect him to come through that and, and qualify in the top two, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean look, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a bull for Brady's bullet mentions for sure. You know, July twenty-one, good forming Klonmal has already been said, twenty-nine thirty-five trial. Um, you know, reads reads very well. So um at six to one in the anti-post market, though maybe a, a touch skinny. Although the one that I am backing in the anti-post market isn't much bigger. A four four from two has a real good chance in this competition. June twenty-one. Um, looks like he's been safe for this i mean he's he's had no races at hove but has managed to clock up five trials had two races at central park and had a bad trip last time but was at one and three quarter lengths behind Darren Asafa a Saffa boss which is which is good form um 26 64 trial last time out and has got a 29 47 on the on the card at hove so i thought four from two eight to one i'll be having a, an each way play on play on him Um, but you know some really interesting racing from Hove Saturday night and I think we'll all be tuning in.
0: We sure will, very excited and the big big race of the weekend on Sunday comes up at Toaster, I can't wait for this because I've been watching uh, all the round, I mean I watch the rounds of most competitions but I've been on the show for um, the trial stakes a few weeks ago, I've been really you know impressed by a couple uh, of the dogs in here and It's the Blue Ribbon final, of course, coming up on Sunday at Toaster. 10 grand to the winner, but it's who is going to pick up the big prize. None of my anti post bets are in. Coppice Fox got knocked out. Um, And yeah, quite a few of them. I went for all the six. Well, not all the six dogs, but most of the outside draws. And Frosty's turn, the one I didn't mention, obviously made it through. (laughs) So, uh, And Antigua Biggin, to be fair. So those two have got the draws on the outside. We've got down the centre, Delish Frankie in three and Hopes Paddington in four. And on the inside, Mr Chalm in one and Sina Otis in two. It's an absolute belter of a final, Ryan. Where are you looking here for the win?
4: (laughs) Um, yeah, I think <laughs> I I think I completely agree with what you're saying. It's a top top final. Uh, the one thing toaster has a lot of a lot of critics, but whenever it puts up a competition, generally the best dogs do qualify for it, um, mm. no matter what distance it is, whether it's sprint four bends or six bends. Um, you know, people don't people do not the trap, but in terms of competitions, we've got another top top quality final there where you could pro- apart from maybe trap six. I think if six was the... So when he'd have to find, there'd have to be trouble on the inside and the only dog possibly could catch if it turned handy would be Mr. Chow in one. So probably sixth ending dog I couldn't make a case for, but full credit for Frosty's 10th making the final. But I'm just going to side with Trap one, Mr. Chum, um, which I think if Mr. Chalm came over as Kildare and the Kildare that we know throughout the derby, I think if you got Kildare and Trap one in this final, I think there's every chance he'd be favourite because uh, we don't know how, how quality the dog is, but the dog just hasn't seemed to be the same. Although saying that, I was really, really impressed with his last run against Didish Frankie in the semi-final, where he never led. Deedish uh, uh, Frankie was drawn on the inside in track three and took a flyer. And for a good 400, 400 metres, uh, Mr. Chalm put a right good run in uh, and got within, got within a length of the third bend of, of Diedis Frankie. And I just think that being drawn inside all of the pace, I think is where you want to be for Mr. Chalm. I think that as long as he can come away level, I think he'll lead here. And based on what I've seen, I do I do believe that this dog is getting stronger and stronger. I mean, he's in really good hands with John Mullins, and I think John Mullins will. I mean, he's been bought for the Derby this year, so I've got I've got every faith in Mister Chow putting in a really big run. I think I can't if he, as long as he traps level, there's nothing that can lead him to the first bend. So I'm going to go Mister Chow at a big price, like a six to one going round, um, still, which I think is really good value. And but then look... I mean, if Mr. Chow misses it, you cannot rule out any of the other dogs, really. Sina Otis in trap two has been flying. He's got perfect draw now as well. It's already beat Hoax Paddington uh, in, in, in the uh, quarterfinal. Um, Dealers Frankie trap three. I mean, there's nothing really you can say about this dog. I mean, the uh, dog speaks for itself. It's just a complete, consistent, top-quality performer. host Paddington, Matt Wallace's number one dog, I'd say, at the moment, top, top, top dog. It's capable of leading. It's capable of turning second and winning these races. As we've seen at Yarmouth. It's just a really, really good final. And then obviously, I'm not going to roll Antigua Biggin if there is trouble on on the inside. Then Antigua Biggin's perfectly capable of uh, putting in a massive runny at its start, and it also stays. So a really good final. But I'm just going to go the value of Mr. Chow. I think draws can win races, and I do think that the way this dog seems to be progressing under John Mullins, I think that is every chance that if the dog leads, he won't be for catching. So yeah, six to one for me looks quite a good price.
0: Yeah, certainly a bit of value for Mr. Chelm, uh, who was formerly known, of course, as Kildare. He's a big price, I thought, at six to one as well. He's not the one I'd go for, but I'll uh, leave you on ten hooks there. Joe, who are you with?
1: Yeah, look, obviously, I, I backed Delish Frankie, anti-post for their sixes. Um, I, I did back him each way, actually, because I just, as I said, I couldn't see him being, you know, not qualifying and, and not making the final. So I'm happy. I'm really happy with his drawing in three. Hopefully he can ping out like he did Last week, I, and I do agree with everything you've both said as well about Mr. Chown probably being the value now if I was going to have a bet in the race, 6-1. Uh, to one. Um, He has looked like he's been getting better with each run since he came over. Um, but it's, you know, sign it. Otis was runner-up last year and he's looked very good. As you say, you know, Hopes Paddington, Antigua and Frost is 10 in a you know, he's no back number, but he probably is up against it. It's, it's high quality. This is a really good race. Everyone needs to watch it on Sunday. And may the best dog win.
0: Indeed. But who will come out on top? Well, Frosty's 10, for me, I was looking at just for kind of forecast, tri purposes, not for the win, before you all look at me funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think Frosty 10. What I saw on in the semi-final when he was really staying on strongly, I think if he was going over 6-8 bends, he'd be absolutely fine. But I don't think the 500 meters suits his run style because he falls out the boxes and he is just staying on in the closing stages. But if there is a little bit of trouble, which there could be because there are full railers in this field, he could sneak into second or third. Um, I have no doubt about that because I think he's a really, really strong finisher and he will be passing a couple of the early paces in the closing stages, in my opinion. So I think if I was having a forecast or tri cast bet, he would be in it. Who's in front of him? Got to go with my boy, Signor Otis. I absolutely love Signor Otis. He's got a great time, obviously, 29-35. That was last time out in the semifinals. Yes, he was beaten by Hopes Paddington, but he's got a better draw today, Signor Otis. So I'd be with two, maybe to beat six, or two to beat one and six. So Signor Otis, Mr. Chelm, and um, Frosty's 10 would be my idea of a combi Tricast, which is what I like to do in these big finals and, um, yeah, see how I get on. But, like everybody said, it's an absolute belter of a final. I can't wait to see it on Sunday, and I hope everybody tunes in. But we are slightly spread across the map. Mr. Challenge for Ryan, Dealish Frankie for Joe, and I am with Sign Otis. That rounds up the betting for the big weekend of action that we've got uh, coming up. And, Ryan, hopefully you've enjoyed it, and hopefully you'll be back on the show, but only if you pick us some winners. So if you don't, sorry, I'm going to lose your number.
4: absolutely understandable I will uh, (laughs) I will eagerly await the next invitation based on how the weekend goes Uh, if, if it doesn't go great then it's been lovely knowing you both (laughs)
1: Will it be Ryan or will it be Joe on the next podcast? That's what
4: What I'm gonna say. If if you look at the Naps table, it's gonna have to be Ryan next time because Joe's having a stinker still. So, (laughs) there's a a reason why I'm the oldest brother because I'm the wisest. So, yeah, Yeah, of course, of course. Well, look, he's not here, so
0: (laughs) yeah
1: regardless of the results we appreciate your your informed thoughts and analysis of the races ahead of them anyway and it's great to have you on the show and it i'm sure it won't be your last time
0: thanks ryan
4: thank you very much you too take care
0: thanks for listening to gone to the dogs released every other friday for more info or to reach out on twitter follow at totally
1: betting and at danny v jackson Podcast produced
4: and edited by Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Voiceover by Katie Harvey.